errand for Get Up in the Cool, what I really need from you this week is a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If more people review, Apple Podcasts will put the show in front of more people. Just follow the link in the show notes and find where it says write a review, then say something nice. I want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and dramatically increasing the reach of the show. They also cut me a good deal on some Ear Trumpet Labs microphones, which I used for this episode. So next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. Make sure to stick around after the interview, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Ellie's band, Jeff Scroggins in Colorado. But first, here's my interview and jam with Ellie Hawkinson. Enjoy. Hawkinson, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Hello, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming over. Usually, when I say welcome to Get Up in the Cool, then I make some sort of joke about, and thanks for letting me into your house. But like, we but, live in the same city, yes, which isn't the case for most of my guests. So, so. technically, thanks for letting me into yeah. your house. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, what did we just play? We just played um, Ashland Breakdown, which is one of my one of my favorite tunes off of. We just played Ashland Breakdown. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, you actually spilled a lot. Okay. I spilled like too much to just let to just it ignore. Talk. 
just like an old interviewer's uh, hack technique mm -hmm. is to just like um, make your make your guest feel like a lot more just kind of competent and, and capable than, than you are. Yeah. So well, it's all part of the... Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's difficult to do when it comes to me and coffee. Um, all right. All right. What was that tune we just played? That one was called Ashland Breakdown, and it's uh, one of my favorite tunes off of the Kenny Baker Plays Bill Monroe album. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually listened to that. You, Is you that should, bad? You should. Um, <laughs> you should listen no, to it's not bad, um, but you are kind of missing out on um, one of the most sort of influential bluegrass fiddle albums. So. Right. <laughs> Um, my bad. <laughs> it, it really was. It was my one of my favorite albums growing up. I listened to it um, kind of on repeat as I was like going to sleep for a really long time. My yeah. sister and I would listen to Kenny Baker play, plays Bill Monroe to go to sleep. Um, and it really is just like kind of the perfect introduction to traditional bluegrass fiddling and like traditional bluegrass fiddle songs because yeah. they're just a bunch of tunes that... Monroe wrote with um, different fiddle players in his band, and Kenny Baker plays them all, and he's kind of the the guy for clean, traditional bluegrass fiddle playing. So you, you grew up playing bluegrass music. I did, in yeah. In the Hawkinson Family Band? With the Hawkinson Family Band, yes. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, how many were, were there of you? Well, there were usually five or six members of the Hawkinson family band. Uh -huh. um, there was my mom and dad and me and my younger sister, Amy. And then our brother Henry was sort of our two-year-old, four-year-old cheerleader. Great. Um, but then we had Uncle Jeff and okay. cousin Jared, who were uh, Jeff Wold and Jared Woodman, and were not related to the Hawkinson family, except gotcha. through camaraderie. Jeff Wold, that name sounds familiar. He's a Portland area banjo player. He's been oh my goodness! Forever. I think he randomly. So I put out a like a Craigslist like, "Hey, let me teach you banjo," and then he responded and just like welcomed me to the city. And I was oh, like, that's so sweet. Yeah, it was really sweet. Yeah. I mean, I was also like, "Oh shoot, this guy doesn't want banjo lessons," but I was also like, "This is so nice." <laughs> he. <laughs> so you. you I will up... say he's already a very good banjo player. I, so. Yeah, <laughs> I got that impression. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I grew up playing playing bluegrass, playing festivals around the area, and mm. I was, I mean, my dad was in a bluegrass band um, far before I was even born, so, like, my first bluegrass festival, it depends on how you, how you count time, but is either, like, right before or right after I was born, because my mom was, was pregnant for the whole summer festival season, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right before my birthday <laughs> in September, and she was like... Trying to camp with, you know, being pregnant and yeah. a little bit miserable. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, so I mean, it's like the first thing I can remember hearing. And what, what did your mom play? Or, she, or she, played she played bass. She she did the sort of traditional mom family band thing. And is learned, that a thing? Well, yeah, kind of. Because okay. bass is kind of the most boring instrument okay. for um beginners especially so like kids aren't going to want to learn to mm -hmm. play the bass um and so i feel like a lot of times moms just volunteer for the job interesting um, yeah either i mean it, it seems also at first glance to be like simpler and easier to learn quickly right. right um and a lot of times they're just like 
trying to support their kids and and help out the family band. Um, but it is also like kind of the most thankless job. Right. So man, there's so many parallels. Of course, oh my it, goodness. Of course yeah. it goes to the mom. Yeah, yeah. And I like, you know, I appreciated that my mom was like learning a new instrument to play music with us, but I didn't quite appreciate just how like she was willing to like yeah. play the one and five constantly in the background so that we could perform. It was pretty cool. And it's not, it's not easy. No, to play. it's not. <laughs> it's not easy to play. Yeah. And she actually, I mean, she was a good bass player. She has a really good sense of like internal rhythm and she already knew the music fairly well. Cause she'd been around it longer than I had. Right. Um, and she played the piano as a kid. So, I mean, and yeah, she was a, she was a good singer, but mm. she was really nervous about singing on stage and being on stage. And my sister and I like, literally didn't know what stage fright was until we were like teenagers and suddenly noticed that people were looking at us. But before that we were like, this is fun. Hello. Hi everyone. Um, my sister once laid down on stage because she was feeling very tired that day (laughs) and she just didn't really, how how old was she? I want to say, no, 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 no. I want to say she was eight, eight eight or nine at the time. And she just had no old enough for it to be like, kind of funny it was funny but she was like she was also very tiny like relatively and and she did not yet have the idea that she should feel nervous or uncomfortable on stage so she was like i'm here i'm comfortable i'm tired i think i'm gonna lay down i feel like it's it's um worth noting that you grew up playing bluegrass in a family band and that you also liked bluegrass from an early age yes I so did. was there ever a time when you were like, I'm not playing your music, dad, like, or you played anything else? It's just been bluegrass the whole time. <laughs> Basically, That's <yeah>. great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, my, my younger sister, Amy mm-hmm. Hawkinson kind of had some of those moments. She still plays bluegrass. Um, but she's also like a metal musician. But she also she? Yeah. got really yeah. into like metal and indie rock and, sure. and then later Swedish music. And right. she moved to Sweden for a year to learn the nickel harpa. Um, which is amazing, but yeah, Very I kind of just, while she was off doing that, I was just still playing bluegrass yeah. mostly. Huh. I don't think I owned a non bluegrass album until I was like 15. Wow. Yeah. What was that? Okay. So, so if your paradigm was so, um, so deep, but also so narrow, like yeah. when you, uh, I mean, I don't know what your education situation was like necessarily, but like when you were with peers uh, who were non-bluegrass mm-hmm. musicians and talking about the music they liked, what was that? Was that oh, ever yeah. weird? I was, um, I was pretty clueless. It was, yeah. I mean, it was kind of just who I was, though, in general. Like, so I did the, the kinds of music that I played and was familiar with were bluegrass and classical. And I did Suzuki violin, um, like, starting at age six, And then as soon as I could kind of like hold the thing, my grandma and my dad started teaching me fiddle tunes. Um, And I was a a big nerd and I, you know, like I went to public school, but I was like constantly in the corner reading, you know, like fantasy books that were high above my grade level. And um, I had, you know, friends, but when they talked about music, I was just like, yeah, that sounds, sounds fun. I Uh like it. I don't know anything. I just had no like no awareness of of other music and the cds that i started getting when i was a teenager were like my friends 
just started burning stuff and like, please listen to this, please. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Do you remember any names? <laughs> um, let's see. There was like Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World. Great. <laughs> uh, Modest Mouse. Yeah. Okay, Go. Okay. There's the some good they, stuff in oh, there. Yeah, my, yeah. Friends, my friends were like, they liked, yeah. they were Portland music people, sure. even when we were teens. Um, so yeah, they liked uh, good sort of like alternative fun stuff. I just, and I liked it too. I just didn't. I didn't really have the bandwidth to get into like a lot of other music because yeah. for me, music was like the thing that I had to do for an hour a day. And it right. wasn't, I wasn't like hating that I had to do it for an hour a day. Sure. But like I practiced usually for an hour a day. And then after I was done, I was like, I don't want to listen to anything. Yeah. You <laughs> I wanna, probably want to do other. I want to go read Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just, I don't know. It's always been like, really hugely central to my life but for a long time i just i didn't listen to a lot of music that wasn't stuff that i was learning or playing hmm. i don't know yeah uh let's play let's play another tune or well, a song yes let's uh, let's do that one hand this over to you so you're gonna play the guitar on this one yep all right what are we about to play we are about to play A Few Old Memories, which is um, a great Hazel Dickens song. Perfect. Yeah. Ready when you are. Let's try Just a few old memories.
I can't understand it. So your grandma played as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, she actually took like less than a year of violin lessons when she was very, very young oh, yeah. um, and didn't, didn't like it at all. Um, I think maybe had like an experience with a teacher she didn't really gel with. Um, and so she dropped it completely, took piano lessons instead. Um, and she's a great piano player she loves to like sing and play the piano but when she was i think 50 i want to say 55 something like that she um decided that she was going to play the fiddle and so awesome yeah <laughs> great she bought a fiddle um and she joined the oregon old-time fiddlers association and she started just learning tunes and going to jams and um I think she started it partly because my dad got really excited about bluegrass when he... Um, so this is dad's mom. This is dad's okay, mom, great, yes. Great. Um, when he saw the Beverly Hillbillies sure. and heard the famous Beverly Hillbillies song, yep. um, <laughs> he decided he was going to play the banjo. And so he played the fiddle with my grandma and he played the banjo and, and they, um, they went to all these old time fiddle jams mm. together. And I've heard many stories about all the, the old timers that were around. Um, and then they actually started a bluegrass class at Clackamas Community College. Oh, wow. Yeah, called Cabin Fever. And that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And that actually went for, for a really long time. Um, my grandpa was the president of the community college for many, many years. And so he was able to sort of like, help them figure out how to start a real community college yes. class yeah. um, might have been more difficult without sort of the insider knowledge there. But um, yeah, it was like a, a jam class and they would have performances. Mm. And I think later found out that there were people who were like not actually 
paying to go to the college uh -huh. and just came to this one <laughs> class. Um, and it became sort of a, a community community thing too over time. Cool. Um, yeah, and then I mean, I was I was a little kid. I was just starting to learn the fiddle, but I'd been going to like the Oregon Old Time Fiddlers Association jams to see my grandma play, and because my my parents kind of wanted to get me excited about what hey. I could do um, with the fiddle, and then when I could play, we would start going, and like they had a little open mic, mm. and you could perform, and we would get our little family band unit up there and play tunes with grandma and it was it was a great really early performance opportunity for us <laughs> that's really cool that it was um yeah an open mic as well as a jam yeah and they still they still i think kind of do it that way um we just went to the latest old time fiddle jam which happened at the sunnyside grange hall i believe in Milwaukee, I want to say Milwaukee. <laughs> Sounds um, right. Yeah, um, and they didn't have the the sound equipment yet, so it was just a circle jam where people could like show yeah. their piece if they wanted. But um, I I don't know for sure, but I think they might be going back to that open mic format, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was just at the. Did you get a chance to go to the Annandale um, Bluegrass and Old Time Association thing in Sydney? No, okay. I don't think I did. Or yeah. wait, no, yes. Was it like in the the um, lawn bowling club? No, this one wasn't at a bolo. Okay. Although almost think, everything happens at bolos, but I think we went to we played the one in Melbourne actually, okay. which was at the the bowling. Oh club. yeah, I've heard. I haven't been to that one. Yeah, um, we didn't do the Sydney thing. The but. the one in Sydney has it's a it's a uh, people get together to jam but then there's also a lot of people who just come to watch the open mic and then mm -hmm. there's a featured and i think it's a really cool way to bring people in because yeah um uh, jam communities can be really insular but if you have a way to like oh i'm gonna go perform real quick and then come back to my jam but then mm -hmm. people can see you and then you can meet people and find students or get gigs and like yeah i think i think that's like a good model yeah i think the melbourne one was essentially the same like template there was a jam and then there was an open mic and then we played last and sort of were made much of but um yeah. <laughs> it was it was cool to see the the open mic and there was there were people i think who were like less there to see us and more there to just see their friend yeah thomas playing the open mic yeah <laughs> um, which is cool yeah it was fun um so the oregon what's it called again oregon old time fiddlers association but it's not it's it's kind of more genre agnostic right it's not specifically old time in the sense that people it's, typically it's not old time in the way that like portland old time gathering right means old time necessarily it is it's weird i i've never really quite understood it's this like its own because it is thing. its own thing yeah. so yeah utfa as we sometimes call it great oregon old time yeah um they play old fiddle tunes, uh -huh. and they play them all together, Right. and they jam them by playing them all together. It's very similar in a lot of ways to the old-time scene, but there's like it's a different set of tunes. Um, hmm. And so I grew up knowing about the Oregon old-time fiddlers and playing in the Oregon bluegrass yeah. scene and like knew the Oregon Bluegrass Association, but I didn't really know the like Portland old time 
crowd until I was back from college. So strange. That it was very like <laughs> so string band was playing like once a week in Portland and I had no idea. I didn't know who they were. <laughs> I could not have told you anything about them. And it's so weird to me because I was like going to every single bluegrass festival and like yeah. often these monthly Oregon old time fiddler jams, but I didn't, they, they weren't really super connected. I don't mm. know. There's a few people who apparently are part of all three right. sort of communities, but it, there's not, not, there's not too many. I don't know. I should look into that because I've always been really interested in like, what is my heritage as an Oregonian, mm -hmm. like in like traditional music. And I never really know. And it feels yeah. like there's something there that's maybe more actually passed down by Oregonians than yeah or something than like, Oh, bluegrass music is fun. Cause I'm listening to records. Like, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the UTFA was founded, I think, in, like, 1967, okay. 68, something, the late 60s. Um, and they were, so they were playing a lot of, um, like, fiddle tunes from that era, and then, like, kind of more poppy, like, oh. Americana type of stuff from that era. So there's, like, some songs that people would always sing that were maybe, like, a Patsy Cline song sure. or something. Um and then, like, these old tunes, I could, I could play one. Yes, um, please. This one is called Snow Deer, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's an old-time standard somewhere, but I've never heard it at, like, an old-time jam. Um, That's very cute. It's very cute. And that's a lot of them are like that. They're kind of like yeah. these jaunty, like cute grandma tunes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And for, I mean, for me, like quite literally, yes, yes. <laughs> they are my cute grandma tunes. And yeah. every time I hear them or play them, I'm like, Oh, grandma. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this, I don't know. There's this whole other set of tunes and like hmm. other tradition that's existed in Oregon for a really long time. Interesting. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, please do. I They would be thrilled. Let's play another tune. Um, yeah. St Stephen Foster is hopefully like one non-racist song. <laughs> yes. Yes, hopefully. Um, yeah. I have examined the lyrics. Yeah. And there is nothing there that I could catch. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's hidden in there, but like, yeah, I was listening. I, I was think like, this, this, seems, this seems good. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's... about charity and being nice to poor people hopefully um great yeah <laughs> <laughs> he had some good ideas and some good intentions and and yeah some, you don't have to throw it all out yeah um this is one i did with the family band oh wonderful yeah um and i'll i'll have a i have a story about that afterwards okay but perfect it's one called hard times one two three <laughs> Pause in life's pleasures to count its many tears while we all sub sorrow with the Lord. There's a song. 
nice. <laughs> what, a, what a good song. And what a still relevant song. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I really, I like that one a lot. Mm. Good work, Steven. <laughs> you, did, you got one. <laughs> you, got, you got one good one. <laughs> we'll keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let that be its own little statue. Yeah. <laughs> just in, for, in song form. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so um, you played this with your family band. I did. Great. Um, yes, I played with this with my family band. And whenever we would go play a festival, um, we had to bring my little brother along. Obviously, mm-hmm. we couldn't just like... Henry? Henry. Henry, Henry Hawkinson. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Boy detective. <laughs> yes. Henry Hawkinson. Boy detective. Um, he used to, when he was really little... When people asked him his name, he would say, I'm Henry Hawkinson, banjo player. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then he didn't play the banjo for like another probably 15 years after that. And then he started when he was like Interesting. 16 to play in his like kid band or probably he was like 14, but he didn't play it for a long time. And then later he was like, I think I will play the banjo. But he would just introduce himself because it's like, oh, everyone else in my family says Plays. their name and then the instrument that they play. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know, like we we really like encouraged him because he had this little banjovi, which is like a tiny baby Aww. banjo, and he would just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while we were rehearsing in the living room, which was great and not at all distracting. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> so we we wanted to encourage him, like, oh yeah, you can play the banjo when you get bigger, and he was like, yeah, I'm a banjo player. Yeah. Um, but Henry was um, always sort of dragged along to all these festivals. And we always had to find someone to watch him while we went on stage. Yeah. Because he wasn't going to just like sit quietly on stage. He was four. Um, luckily, we knew essentially everyone in the, at the festivals all the time. Um, because my dad, as mentioned, was like part of the community before any of us kids were around. Um, so we, we left Henry with, with a friend, and we were playing, I believe, the Prospect Bluegrass Festival, which was in this tiny town in Southern Oregon, and it hasn't Is been Is it around. called Prospect? It's called Prospect, That's yes. That's a really Southern Oregon yeah, sounding I think, I think it town was name. <laughs> one of the, like, kind of gold-looking, gold gold-rush towns. It's good branding. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, the festival was, like, really cute. There was this little amphitheater, and we were, we were playing on the stage, and I saw Henry in the back. And I was singing Hard Times, this like our most tragic and, and yep. you know, melancholic song. And I was, I was singing Hard Times and I saw Henry in the back and he's four. And I saw him doing this little dance. <laughs> and then I saw him like grab the sleeve of the person who was watching him and he started just like sprinting. <laughs> towards the bathrooms <laughs> <laughs> and at that point i had gotten to like the pale drooping maiden verse yeah, so yeah. i was like trying to get through it trying to get through it yeah. and i like i saw him running by in the in the background and the, he was running around the lip of the entire amphitheater so it was this perfectly like <laughs> he was perfectly visible the whole time running in a semicircle. and you're to trying to, to sell this side. like very sober like, song with yeah. the poor heart whose better days are on and then my dad <laughs> spots him points at him and yells hurry up henry you can make it and i just lost it it's the only time like 
I once almost swallowed a mosquito on stage and kept singing, but this is yeah. the only time I've yeah. fully lost it. I just like, yeah. I couldn't sing the rest of the song. I was crying and yeah. I was like 12 and I was on stage like tears running down my face yeah. as I'm like trying to hold in laughter and I just couldn't, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't sing the rest of the song. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I think I maybe came back in for like the final chorus, but yeah, but yeah it was... It's one of my favorite bluegrass memories. Yeah, um, that's perfect. For sure. And it's very much like, that's just how, that's how our summers were pretty much. It's like <laughs> playing on stage and Henry's hanging out with Uncle Mark or. Yeah. Yeah. We had many, Whoever's many, available. many adopted uncles and aunts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, shoot. Let's play this, this Ookpik waltz. Um, where is this tune from? Do you? That's a good question okay. that I do not know the answer Isn't to. Is there like a Portland Waltz book? Is that one of the those? I don't know. Okay, I don't know either. I played it once before, but I forgot all the details. I think someone once told me it was Canadian. Okay. But I don't remember who told me or if they actually said Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone else told me that there is somewhere in the world an Ukpik River. Okay. But that might just be kind of the default answer for when someone doesn't know where a song name comes from. Oh, you mean the... I feel like they're always like, oh yeah, the Forked Deer River. The, you know, (laughs) the Cumberland Gap River. Um, (laughs) Not quite, but it is kind of the the default assumption. Um, I learned it from John Milnichuk, who is a really great um, bluegrass fiddler who I think still lives in Vancouver, Washington. And... He was my fiddle teacher for a few years. Do do a lot of bluegrass players play this tune? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's, it's funny, like like you were saying, like I have, I'm, I just, I'm so out of my depth, like talking about bluegrass. I don't even know. Like, it's yeah. so. I know who Bill Monroe is, and that's it. You yeah. Know? I mean, I feel like yeah. you probably know more about bluegrass than like ninety percent of. <laughs> I guess just probably average people, but I feel like just by knowing what it's not. Yeah, because yeah. bluegrass. I mean, bluegrass people. And old time players, like we all have this really extremely deep but narrow knowledge of our own like type of music, and but they're very similar. So we meet each other, and I still feel like I know nothing about old time, mm. even though like I know several of the tunes and like have been playing it for a while because everyone else knows so much about it. And I feel like coming into bluegrass is the same way because anyone anyone who plays it regularly is just pretty obsessed. Like you yeah. kind of have to be. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is also a bluegrass tune.
Mm. Cool. Good one. Yeah, I've always always been one of my favorite waltzes. Write in, listeners, if you know <laughs> where the Ookpik River is. Yeah, please, is the please River. tell me if there is an Ookpik River yeah. somewhere. <laughs> people in, in, I don't know about bluegrass music, but in old-time music, people love um, just uh, saying uh, wrong things really confidently <laughs> about, yeah, no, about that... the origins of tunes. and. <laughs> yeah. So we might have to pick through if anybody actually writes it. <laughs> if you know the real story. <laughs> I feel like that, yeah. I feel like that happens in every, yeah. you know, music community probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, where do people go to hear you live and uh, or to know when you're coming to their town and uh, how to hear your recorded works? Oh, yes. Um, Who are you playing with? And- I am mostly playing with Jeff Scroggins in Colorado. That's where is, we, that's not that is, where we met. That's how, how I met, met you. Yes. Yeah. In Australia. Um, in Australia, At which Dorigo. is super yeah. weird. Super weird. Because we both live in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that has happened so many times. Mm-hmm. I meet someone in like England or Nashville yeah. or Northern Canada. And they're yeah. like, oh yeah, I live in Portland. I've lived <laughs> in Portland for 20 years. <laughs> Why haven't I met any of these people? Um, yes. So I play with Jeff Scroggins in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and that's. Uh, pretty much my full-time job at the moment. We're, we're touring so much that I don't really have a lot of time to do much, much else. Um, and I, I teach, you know, lessons off and on when I can, but, um, but yeah, we play, we, we tour kind of all over the place. Um, our tour schedule is listed on jeffscrogginsandcolorado.com. Um, and our Facebook page has, you know, like updates of where we're going to be um but if you want to hear recordings of me we actually just finished up our first cd with me on it um, Perfect. which is yeah. pretty exciting cool. and as we're recording this we're releasing it literally tomorrow yeah um <laughs> which will be um january 11th for future people but yeah. um but yeah it's my it's my first album with the band it was my first sort of full album experience with like yeah. tracking uh-huh. and, and not, I did a live album with Bobby Winstead in Portland um, a few years ago. And that was a great experience. And I really love the album, but it was like, you play everything and you're done. Sure. Sure. Like you, you do it right. Or yeah. you do it again. Yep. Um, and this was like, you play everything and then you go back and fix the things you didn't like. And it yeah. was, it was just a very different way of doing it um and kind of intimidating at first sure but but, um also really fun um and yeah we got to work with mark schatz who's the uh the producer on the album and also plays bass on the album and Mm. is like one of tristan scroggins and my like original bluegrass heroes because he played with tony rice and he played with everybody and he's amazing and and brings a lot to every single Every single time he plays, it just makes the band better. Um, so it was also intimidating and amazing to work with him. Um, and the the Fuel Memory song is actually one from that Very album. Yeah. yeah, I think I've heard a couple tracks from it, I think, that you posted a little while ago, and I was... Yeah, very impressed. I'm oh. excited to hear the rest. Thank yeah. you very much. Also, you guys played... Um, Y'all played at the the Dorigo like volunteer dinner, yes. which is where like the volunteers you know have to miss a lot of the 
the festival, but then they get a special like dinner where they get to see some like um, thrown together like different versions of bands and stuff. And yeah. so you guys, you guys got up and you're like, we're gonna play Rocky Top, and I was like, oh great. And then you know, because it's Rocky Top. Yeah. But then you guys played it, and I was like, I'm. This is. This has totally revitalized the tune for me. Like, I was, like, <laughs> singing a lot, Rocky Top, Tennessee, and I was just, like, super into it. And you, I don't know what you guys did to it, but you totally disarmed me from, like, one of the most chestnutty tunes ever. And I feel like that's, like, such an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. It was um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing about Rocky Top is, like, no one does it anymore. That's the thing. Because it's... <laughs> Because it's so overplayed. It's like the Yogi Berra quote, like, no wonder no one ever goes to this restaurant because it's always so crowded. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one plays Rocky Top because everybody plays Rocky Top too much. Um, uh, so, I don't, it's a great tune. It like, is. it became really popular for a reason. <laughs> and we love, I mean, we just do the songs we really like sometimes. Like, yeah, totally. we do that one, especially at, like a volunteer thing. We do it because it's extremely fun to do um and everybody does kind of be like everybody has this moment of like oh yeah rocky top like rocky top rules you guys (laughs) rocks it's amazing like it it goes so hard it's so good (laughs) um yeah and i mean occasionally we'll do we'll throw in like a fox on the run as Mm -hmm. like an encore or do it as a request (laughs) and people are like oh yeah that's a good song (laughs) like no wonder everyone overplayed it so much. It was like pretty good. Um, yeah, and we just, it's really fun. It's a really fun band to play with because everyone in the band just like really loves bluegrass and like really loves like the old bluegrass and the new bluegrass and like bringing old sounds to new songs and yeah. bringing new sounds to old songs. And we all are obsessed with the country gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really amazing to play with like such bluegrass scholars and also like amazing musicians Hmm. yeah right on um so uh people listening uh stick around uh, you know right after we play this next tune and uh i'll tell you where ellie's playing coming up um there should be some things you're like you said it's your job (laughs) extremely busy they might might... be coming to your town (laughs) yeah i i hope we come back to portland soon yeah i i really like playing here yeah (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, coming over and um, putting up with my guitar playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks for putting up with, with my guitar playing on that one. <laughs> one.
everyone should go by Over the Line, the new album by Ellie's band, Jeff Scroggins in Colorado. I included a direct order link in the show notes for this episode and this episode's Facebook post. Speaking of Facebook, make sure to like and follow their Facebook page to stay up to date with their tour schedule. You can also visit their website at jeffscrogginsincolorado.com. If you like Get Up in the Cool and want to make sure I keep making it, support the show on Patreon and get some exclusive rewards. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click Patreon. For any potential sponsors out there, I'll read ad copy for your music festival, camp, or whatever it is that you're selling. You can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. You'll get a pretty dramatic discount for buying three or more. Thanks again to Elderly Instruments for all the support. You can visit their website at elderly.com. I'm recording live Get Up in the Cool episodes at Earful of Fiddle in Michigan in June and the Kauai Old Time Gathering in Hawaii in November. So I hope some of you plan on attending. I'd love to meet you. And I still have some room for other old time schools and festivals in my schedule. If anyone wants to hire me, you can reach me at getupinthecool at gmail.com. I can also teach banjo workshops and perform solo or band sets while I'm there. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.